Our text this morning is from Psalm 139-12. You'll find that on page 521 in the Bible in the chair in front of you. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I free or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light shall be shall <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for the darkness is as light with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate you doing that for us this morning. Good morning to everyone here. Um, I, if you were not here during the announcements, um, my name is Steve Pink, and uh, I'm very delighted to get to uh, share this psalm with you. This psalm is a very important psalm to me. Um, and it might as well be to you. Um, if you are just joining us, we are uh, going through a summer series called Salt Life, and we've just selected different various psalms uh, throughout uh, all the psalms and uh, have been spending time each week on one or two of them and, and moving through. Uh, this morning, as you can see, we're on Psalm 139, and as Nate read, we, we are going to look at the first 12 verses, but we're also going to look uh, a, lit, a bit deeper uh, and kind of jump around with the rest of the verses that we didn't read as well. So I'll, uh, I'll try to do my best if you like to follow along uh, in your Bible or in the Bible in front of you with what we're reading. I'll, I'll try to give you the verse where we're, we're moving. But we're going to kind of jump around a little bit this morning. Um, and the reason is uh, we're going to be talking about really two things. The fact that we are known by God and the fact that we are loved by God. Um, it sounds like a very simplistic message to say today. You're known by God. And, and for many of you in this room, you may go, yeah, I, okay, no disagreement. You're loved by God. I, I might not always feel loved. I might not always know what that looks like, but, but I'm okay with that. Um, but this morning, what I would love is if you would lean into those two words, known and loved that you would lean into them and, and really um, drink the whole cup of what they are uh, to, to really uh, have the, the reality of that the God of all creation, the God who has made all things, and we're going to talk more about that today, has stopped at your tree as he did with Zacchaeus and said, come down, I want to spend time with you. That he truly knows you and truly loves you. That's an that's a unbelievable, fantastic truth uh, that we could gloss over really easily. And, and that's where we're going to stay this morning. And we're going to stay in those two, two, di two, different, um, two different words. Uh, a speaker that I heard years ago at a Young Life camp said this. He said, to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. Think about that. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved 
is to be known. And as we read Psalm 139, we see this intimacy that David shares with God. And as we go through this psalm this morning, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of David because this is David writing in a worshipful way to God about who God is. But the reality is this is just as true for you and I, that you and I are as important as David is, that we have the intimacy with God that David shares with God, that that is an open and free gift to us through the work of Jesus. And so as we go through this this morning and we see this intimacy from David as he's expressing who God is and, and, and how he understands and knows God in these different ways, that is a fantastic truth for you and I that this is you and me in here. This describes our relationship with God as well. And the reason why that should stand out to us, whether you are a believer and a follower of Jesus or you are, are checking out the claims of Christ and you're not quite sure where you stand, wherever you lie on that spectrum, the truth is the fact that God knows us and loves us is a, is a truth that penetrates our hearts because we are constantly as human beings on a path to figure out who we are and why we're here and what all of this is about. Uh, I shared a quote from Blaise Pascal a few weeks ago, and he said this. If you weren't here, this is, this will be a repeater if you were here. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by the creator. We are all continuously, whether we're, we're young and, and constantly, till we're old, are seeking who we are, what we're like, our identity, where do we place our trust? And, and Blaise Pascal points out here, we were all created for one thing. And that one thing that satisfies you and I, that will never be able to be satisfied in any other way, is in a relationship with God. Our creator, our father, made for us as sinners through the work of Jesus, trusting and knowing Jesus. And so these questions that we all consider, am I known, Where do, who am I, is really the big question. The second is, is after we answer, who am I? Am I loved? If this is who I am, am I loved? And the third question is, well, then what's my purpose? David outlines these three questions in this psalm. And David answers these three questions in this psalm. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Is so, is so, am I known by God? Who am I? Am I known by God? Am I loved by God? And, and if so, what is my purpose? How do I respond to being known and being loved by God? Let me pray for us and we'll start with uh, the text this morning. Lord, we are so grateful um, that we are here gathered this morning. We're grateful that our, our pastor Ransom is, has an opportunity at, to preach at First Pres this morning. Um, we're thankful and we pray for him even now as he most likely is finishing up. Um, what he was sharing this morning about church planning. God, we thank you for the ministry that he has brought to grace with his family, uh, both him and Julie. We also thank you, Lord, for the ministry that he's able to share about church planting and other church uh, growth 
um, opportunities that he's been a part of over the years with the people at First Prez. Lord, we pray now this morning that you would meet us here, that you would open our hearts. Lord, whether we are following you and we love you and trust you or whether we are, are, are seeking um, answers to the big questions of life and we're trying to figure out who you are and what you're like. Lord, I pray that in Psalm 139, you would move in our hearts through your spirit and would show us this intimacy that is found with you in a relationship. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, um, let's look at verses 1 through 5 together, and that's where we're going to start as we're understanding this first kind of bullet point of, am I known? Am I known by God? Let's look at how David answers that question in verses 1 through 5. Uh, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Uh, David is telling us here in these verses, and we're going to we're going to kind of expand on these in just a moment with some uh, verses further on in the psalm. But as he starts this psalm, he's letting us know that life is not just a series of coincidences. That life is not just a, a series of, of decisions that we make that we wander to this decision or we wander to this place or we wander to this relationship. But we see that there is a plan. There is a plan for your life and my life. There is a plan that David acknowledges is greater than anything that he could ever put together. That his wisdom and your wisdom and my wisdom can't lead us directly on this great path that is set out for us, but that there is a planner who has put this together. That he knows you inside and out and he knows exactly how you function and how he wants you to function. And so you didn't just mysteriously end up in this job or mysteriously end up at this church or somehow made a mistake in the person that you married, but that the Lord has gone before you and cut the path for, for where you will settle, for where you will be, that he is in control in that way. Let's look at this a little deeper. He searches me. He searches me. He searches me as I sit and as I rise. As I, as I stay still and as I move about. He knows and understands my thoughts. Think of the intimacy that's there. Now, the, maybe the first thing that goes through your mind when you read that, um, I mean, I, I had the same reaction when I've read Psalm 139, is this thought of like, ooh, he knows my thoughts. Yikes. Right? There's a bit of uh, you kind of shrivel inside a little bit because you know your thoughts and you know the things that go through your mind that you actually don't say because if you said them, people would be like, oh. Right? But God knows your thoughts. And this is an intimate thing here. And we're going to talk more about this because of Jesus. This is not a a fearful thing that he knows your thoughts. If you are uh, one that trusts in Jesus, Jesus has forgiven you. He knows 
all your thoughts and has will, willingly laid himself down on the cross for you. So that as God knows the believer, the truster of Jesus' thoughts, it's a very intimate thing. We can move past the fear because John tells us that, that there is no love, that love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And so that as God knows your thoughts, he understands your thoughts. What David's saying is he gets you. You're, you're, not, you're not confusing to him. You maybe feel misunderstood at times in your life or, or, or you just don't get it. With God, that's not the case. Not only does he get you, but he knows you and loves you, understands you, and there's an intimate conversation that happens between you and God without you even opening your mouth. He knows you. He knows you. It says that he forms my path where I settle. As we talked about that we don't go and end up in places mysteriously or, or just by coincidence, but that he is, he is moving you along in exactly the places that he wants you to be. Even in the hard parts of our lives that, that seem um, like we can't even get out of the bed to go face, the Lord knows you and he's drawing you closer to, to him in those situations as he walks you through those different parts of your life. Before, we, before I speak, it is known to you. Before a word is on my tongue, before it comes out of my mouth, as we said, there's an intimacy with you and God that he has designed, that he has designed for you and him to share. Think about the, the intimacy, the love, the, the power, the authority that exists with our God yet the closeness that he desires with you. If we look at verses 13 and 16, um, we'll see a bit more of this power, this authority, this knowing us. Look at verse 13 with me. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Listen to how, the, how God knows you in this way. I hope you're getting this, this intimate, uh, close, good father understanding of, of God's work in your life. That you're not this far out, uh, I don't think about God much, therefore he doesn't think about me. Or I've, I've gone my whole week without really sitting down and, 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 and even praying or, or looking at, at God's word and, and he's probably done the same with me. no. That's not the case. We have a God that uh, is not like us. We are not, um, God is not a bigger, better version of you and me. He's completely different. He's completely faithful. He's completely engaged with you at every moment. 
Not just the moment that you're doing religious things or, or in, your wor- in your mind being holy. He's engaged with you and me in the depths of our sin. And he shows us this as he knows us. He, he doesn't just say, I knew you when you came out. He said, no, 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 no. I put you together. I thought you up. I, I, I made you and formed you just the way I wanted you to be. I wanted you to have this personality. I wanted you to be this extroverted person or this introverted person. I wanted you to bring into this world a piece of me in this way. That's what David is telling us as he's going through all these ways of how how God has seen us, put us together, even to the point, friends, that he knows the very to the, to the second, the millisecond, the first breath that we will breathe in this wor- world and the last breath we will breathe in this world. That we were, we were created for eternity. You and I are created to be eternal beings. And, and what we do with God's plan for salvation through Jesus matters how we spend eternity but you and I were not made for this sinful world. And so in the secret, in creation, at the beginning, when God was laying the foundation for this world, he predestined you and me as believers to know him. And when we would have our first breath, what year we would come into this world, and what year we would exit this world, and go be with him in glory. It's a wonderful, wonderful, amazing plan to think about that God not just knows tomorrow, but he knows a hundred years from now. He's planned a thousand years from now. He's planned eternity. And you're a part of it. Bruce Ware says this about uh, Psalm 139. David knows that God's care for him is so deep And so thorough that every step he takes, every word he speaks is known fully by the Lord who has numbered all the days of his life before they have begun. So we are known. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. So how are we loved? Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10, it reads, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What's David doing with these verses? He's painting us a picture. A picture of who God is and of the continuous, the constant love and um, knowledge and presence of God in our lives, both eternally, but also in this world. That there is not a place that David or you and I can go where God is not presently with us. 
to the, to the heights of heaven, to the depths of Sheol, as far east as, as the sea goes, as far west as the land goes. I can go anywhere in this world and God's hand will be upon me because he's with me. That's the promise that comes to you through the work of Jesus. That no matter where you go, God is there. God is there at the same time, all over. God is present. And he cares for you. There, there's love in this because it's not just God's existing and he's okay wherever you go and it's just passing by and hello, God. It's not a casual thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intimate thing. It's a love that where you go, he's there to love you, protect you, and lead you. That for those that are in Christ, he's actually given his spirit to live inside of you so that not only is God presently there around you, but he is also inside of you. Think of the love, the protection of a father that says, I will be with my child. I've kid over the years that when the girls, I have three girls, you guys know, and, and I've kid that over the years that when they get married, they're never moving out of the house that I want them to stay at my house. And if they want to take a husband in the house, we'll, we'll figure out the room situation. But, but I want my kids to live with me forever because I love them and I never want to see them leave me. That's, I don't know, pro I'll probably have some real issues when college comes. But uh, check, check back in a few years with me, right? Check back in three years. But, um, but I, I think of that and I think of the reality that this is, this is Steve Pink. My love is, a, is on the ridiculous meter compared to who God is with love. He wants to be with us. He enjoys you. He loves you. You don't annoy him. Sometimes you hear parents say, uh, we're, we've all been guilty. I just need a break. I just need a break. I just need like a night out. I need like a overnight or something where, you know, Kids aren't hanging on me and asking me for something or, you know, sometimes Katie's like, I just, you know, like, I, I can't do any more hugs right now. Like when they were, when they were little, they were just hanging on her. They always wanted to be with her. And she's like, I just don't want to be, I try to give her a hug and she would be like, I don't want to be touched. And I'm like, that worked out well, you know? Um, sorry, Katie. Ransom buys Julie ice cream. I don't know what I'm going to buy Katie for that one. Um, but the reality is this, friends, is, is. God does not get tired of you. He doesn't grow tired of you. Your presence doesn't bother him or he, he doesn't have too much of you and he needs a break. He's promised to be with you. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, he's speaking to his disciples after the resurrection. And he said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The creator knows no bounds. He has no guardrails. He is with you. So when we see this never-ending love from this psalm, and we see this never-ending uh, reality that we are known to the core of who we are, it leads us to this third question, this last point that we've talked about this morning is, is so what do I do? What's my purpose? How do I live? What, what's my life all about? Being known and being loved by God leads us to purpose in our life now and forever. And that purpose really is answered in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question. I love this question 
because if you were anything like me, especially if you were younger uh, in here, high school, middle school, college, young adult, and you're kind of figuring out like, what do I do with my life? I, 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 want, I want to have purpose and significance, and I, I want to make a difference in this world. I, I, I want to do something. I, I, what's my purpose? This, this question, question one, actually answers it. It reads like this. It says, what is the chief end of man? What is man's purpose? Why are we here? What are we supposed to do? And it answers it to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Were you expecting an answer like that? Now, some of you guys know that question, so you knew that's where it's going. But honestly, if you're honest, honest, were you expecting, what is the chief end of man? What am I supposed to do here? Were you really expecting that scripture would lead these men who put these questions together? They didn't just make it up. They looked through scripture and proof texted out of going, this is what we believe the Bible tells us what a person's life should be focused on. I don't think I would have come out going to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There probably would have been some works-based mentality to my, my you know, uh, well, you know, this and this and this. I would have had a, like a, probably a five-point list, and then there'd be like sub-points under each one. Friends, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is your purpose. That is my purpose. Because we are known and loved by God, we naturally are drawn to glorify, to worship Him, and we're naturally drawn to enjoy him. He doesn't, Jesus tells us this in Matthew, he doesn't take this, you know, um, yoke, this wooden uh, neck brace that they'd put on oxen to plow a field and they'd drop this heavy, heavy neck brace on them and that was what would pull the cart. No, he doesn't, he says, my, my yoke to you, what I'm putting on you is not heavy, it's light. My burden is light on you. God wants you to enjoy him. Why? Because he enjoys you. He knows you, loves you, and he desires for you to bask in his love. We have two, uh, we have two dogs at our house, um, two Britneys, if you know that breed. Wonderful dogs. We love them. Um, after we purchased the Harmon's house last year, we were uh, blessed with an invisible fence. And so the dogs are allowed to go out and go wherever they desire in our yard. There really is no bounds except for what property we own, right? And uh, we'll let them out. And they will take like two or three laps around the house every time, you know, inspecting everything, making sure everything was left as it should be, making sure no one's on their property that shouldn't be, you know, those kind of things. And then on a sunny day, they will just stop and they will lay down in the grass and they will close their eyes and they'll just kind of look up and just kind of lay there in like a bit of a, of a just euphoric situation, <laughs> What are they doing? They are basking in the warmth of the sun. 
what they're doing. They are enjoying what's been provided for them. Friends, that is a picture of what David is sharing for you and me to bask in the warmth of God's love. And then go about your day. Go bring that warmth that you have experienced from God's love into your relationships, into your school, into your work, into your neighborhood. To enjoy God by basking in his warmth and his love and going about your day. And that leads us to this, this last, uh, last two verses of the psalm. To be known is to be loved. To be loved is to be known. That leads us to bask in the warmth of God's love and to then share that in our daily lives. It allows us to pray because God's proven his power over creation and he's proven his love to us in Christ. We can pray what David does. These last two verses, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning that you are a God you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one and only true God. And you are calling us sinners to be adopted and redeemed by the work that you have done for us through your son, Jesus. You've made us your sons and your daughters. You call us to bask in your love. You call us to uh, be encouraged that we always have you and will never uh, lose you, that you know us. And despite even the fact that we may bother or annoy or frustrate ourselves, you do not grow tired of us. You know us and you love us. And because of that, you want us to enjoy your glory, enjoy your, your greatness, and enjoy you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for all of us that hear this this morning, that our lives, we would leave here with um, unburdened, that the heavy yoke of life would be thrown off and we would be placed on our shoulders, the yoke of Jesus that is light, that gives life and that draws us to grace. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.